This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. And this week, we're going to be covering a bunch of topics, including a development, I think, about Newegg and their Connecticut sales tax issue that we covered last week or the week before. I'm going to give you some woes as a YouTube Red subscriber that I wanted to share with you because it was kind of absurd as to how the company was responding to it. Uh, we're going to talk about some sponsored content feedback I got from a viewer, which I thought was a good discussion point. We're going to talk about Linux compatibility on some of these mini PCs and how to know something is going to work ahead of time. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an inoculation, if you will, about expensive laptops that may appear on the channel from time to time and my thoughts about reviewing expensive laptops versus inexpensive ones. Uh, This is an annual reminder that I like to do, and you'll be uh, hearing that again uh, a little bit later in the wrap-up. But first, I want to thank our newest supporters here on the channel, Charles Doty and UAN. I want to thank them both for their contribution to what we do here and to everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, as well as all of you who watch on a regular basis, too. I greatly appreciate everybody doing whatever they can to help the channel grow. Now, we've got a non-ad this week, and once again, I'm going to point you at GearBest because they've got their fourth anniversary sale going on right now. You can go to lon.tv slash sale, which is an affiliate link, and you can find some good deals on some of the stuff that they sell there. A lot of the stuff you can't get uh, here in the U.S., at least through major uh, retailers. So you might be able to find some cool stuff that comes from overseas from GearBest that you can get at a good price this week. So definitely check out their sale. Uh, one word of warning, though, is that they've got a lot of cool smartphones there, but most of them don't work in the United States. So just be careful about the smartphones. But I think some of the laptops and other stuff might be at a good price this week. I didn't get much up on the Extras channel this week, but I did do that unboxing of the 8-BitDo Arcade Stick, which I also reviewed on the main channel. We also took a look at some inexpensive Android TV boxes that are running with the Android TV interface. So if you're looking for like a Mi Box alternative, uh, these two might be worth considering because they have an Ethernet jack built into it. But uh, they're not perfect, but they might serve a need for an extra TV or something around the house. So you can see that review uh, linked in the master playlist down below. And we did a sponsored post this week for Plex on Organizing your content, which I think might be useful if you're trying to get a handle on your media library as it continues to grow. I gave you some tips as to how to better organize things in that video. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week number 55 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And it was another good week this week. One of the things that ebbs and flows here are new products coming out to review. So we're starting to see more of the PCs making their appearances, including this new NUC I'm going to talk about in a little bit. So uh, we're going to start getting more stuff in, new stuff to check out. So uh, more will be coming. So don't worry in case the last couple of weeks have been a little light on new things. I also wanted to remind you about the Facebook group because I have seen more engagement on this Facebook group in its first two weeks of existence than I have on my Facebook page, my Reddit thing, as well as the forums that I set up a while ago. This has been a great uh, opportunity, I think, for viewers to connect with each other. I'm seeing a lot of 
conversations between all of you, which is awesome. And uh, we're also getting a lot of just overall interaction here that I haven't seen in any other platform that I've put together before. So if you haven't yet joined, please do. Now, when you do sign up, it's going to ask you two simple questions. I do this just to prevent uh, spammers from coming in. And if you don't answer the questions, you won't get in. So definitely answer the questions. They're very easy. You don't have to give me a long answer. Just I want to know that you're a real fan of the channel before you are uh, allowed into the rest of the group. So if you haven't filled out those questions, please do. Uh, and you can, again, check out the Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about YouTube Red. And here is my, my quandary, if you will, my conundrum. I watch YouTube at night sometimes on my television with my NVIDIA Shield. If I'm upstairs on my fancy new LG television, I use its YouTube app to watch YouTube. And uh, YouTube Red does not work. I'm paying for it, but it does not work on those devices. And the reason it doesn't work is that I use a brand account to browse YouTube. And I might be an edge case here because I am a creator that uh, sometimes lets other people into my channel to manage some things or change some things around or whatever. So I had to set up uh, this profile, lawn.tv, as a brand account. And apparently that is being interpreted differently uh, by my TV boxes as well as my television sets. And I've been going back and forth uh, with YouTube for months trying to get this situation resolved. You can see that I initially reached out to them back in December. Uh, we're now at the end of March, essentially, and it's still not fixed. And I've had 25 back and forths with them already. They asked me to do all this crazy stuff, including uh, you know, filling out the thing on the app itself to point them in that direction. And what's crazy is that there's such a disconnect between uh, the domestic support people and the overseas support that facilitates these email questions as they come in. I've been tossed around a million different times, but this was the kicker here. Um, in order to serve you better, our specialists would like to know if you've signed directly into your smart TV instead of an NVIDIA box as NVIDIA boxes aren't supported for paid content such as YouTube Red. This is insane because uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were actually giving away YouTube Red subscriptions when you bought yourself an NVIDIA Shield TV. So clearly these uh, tech support people are not up on what their company is actually using and supporting. Uh, so then I went on Twitter to Team YouTube and I said, hey guys, you know, this, this person's telling me that the NVIDIA Shield is not compatible. And then of course I got the usual runaround from them about, you know, log out and log back in, which is not going to fix anything. And uh, they said, no, no, it's definitely supported. The NVIDIA Shield is officially supported. And then guess what? The next day, uh, the customer service emailed me again to say that the NVIDIA box is not supported. And it's just this crazy back and forth that's been going on for months. And it's just one of those things that as a customer, it's just horrible that I can't get an answer to the question. And the worst part is, is that all of this started when uh, YouTube decided to change the app that Android TV uses to access YouTube. So a few months ago, they had this great native Android app that ran on the Android TV platform. And then they switched to this new app that uses a web wrapper, which I guess is similar to what these smart TVs are running with. And that broke everything. In fact, for a while, I couldn't even log into my account at all. I can do that now, but the YouTube red portion isn't working. And I just think it's terrible that, you know, as a customer, I'm paying for this. And not only did they uh, make my app worse when they did that update, I can't really get in and do anything uh, with my YouTube red account, which is what I want to do when I'm sitting at my television. Now, I could, of course, 
log into my personal account, but the problem there is that I've got all this history built up on this account that I'm watching on, the same one that I uh, send and upload videos to. So I interact with other creators with this account, and it's also uh, got a very good idea as to the kind of content that I like. So I'm actually getting some good recommendations on my uh, home screen when I log in, and I really don't want to create two different uh, experiences for my YouTube viewing. So hopefully they get around to fixing this, but it's just one of those things where um, it doesn't make me feel good uh, recommending YouTube Red when it may not work for everybody when they connect. And to see this complete disconnect in communication between two uh, departments essentially within the company, it just does not give me a lot of confidence in this platform. But uh, anyway, rant over. I just wanted to get that out of the way. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye this week. And I wanted to talk about a little update here on the new egg sales tax controversy. Now, in case you missed this entire thing, I've got two videos which you'll find in the master playlist to get you up to speed. But the too long didn't read on this is that Newegg voluntarily turned over data from their Connecticut customers to the state of Connecticut. The state of Connecticut in turn then billed all of those Connecticut customers, or at least most of them, for back taxes on items that they bought from New Egg that they didn't pay sales tax on. And those Connecticut customers didn't pay sales tax because New Egg does not collect Connecticut sales tax. And New Egg's choice was to either turn over the data or they could start collecting Connecticut sales tax moving forward. And they opted for uh, the path of least resistance for them, which meant to turn over the customer data to a government without a court order, subpoena, or any other kind of legal action, which really angered me and many of you. And as such, I'm not recommending them as a retailer anymore to purchase from. But needless to say, late, late Friday night, like 1.40 a.m. Saturday morning, I got this email from Newegg to our valued Connecticut customers. I'm surprised they didn't put valued in quotation marks because they certainly don't value us all that much anymore. Uh, but they brought up this uh, opening paragraph here about House Bill 7312 and how when it was enacted, they determined the most efficient path to compliance was to provide aggregate past sales data to the Connecticut Department of Revenue Services. Uh, this is total BS because the only thing that that law introduced, and I'll show you in a minute, uh, was new fines potentially that Newegg would be liable for. Nothing else in the law changed beyond the fact that they might have to pay a penalty, and that is why they did it. And I'll show you what I mean by that in a second. But uh, they say that they now realize it wasn't the best way to do right by their customers. I don't see how they could even think any of this would have been right by their customers in the first place. They mentioned that they can't undo their actions, but they've been working, quote unquote, behind the scenes to find a better solution that fulfills Connecticut sales tax obligations and protects the interests of their customers. They're announcing that they believe Connecticut, as of March 19th, 2018, will no longer pursue collection of sales taxes from new egg customers related to purchases during this period that Connecticut looked back. Now, if you got a letter that was dated on or after March 19th, uh, Newegg says they're going to try to help you not have to pay the tax that Connecticut says you owe. But for everybody, and I think everybody who got one of these letters, they didn't get it on or after March 19th. They got it in January or February. I don't think there's any more letters pending on this, but if there are, uh, perhaps you've got a way out here. So they send this out to everybody, but most of us have already had to pay the tax, and they're offering absolutely zero in the way of compensation or apology to the rest of us. In fact, they didn't even say they were sorry in this email to everyone else. They just said it wasn't the best way to do right by our customers. The fact that they can't even use the word sorry or apologize uh, I think is pretty indicative of how they feel about their customers. And just to show you how full of it they are, 
This is House Bill 7312, and this is the law that Newegg continually refers to in communications to Connecticut customers like me and maybe like you. Uh, but the reality is here, nothing really changed in this law. The only thing that changed in regards to this, this issue, and of all the text that you see flying by right now, is this section, Section 46, which says that if the Department of Revenue Services requests sales information from a company, if that company doesn't turn over the data, they could be assessed a fine of up to $500 per day for noncompliance. That's it. So really the change in the law was Newegg would have to pay money to protect its customers versus just ignoring whatever requests were made in the past. And that is really the crux of the issue here, that Newegg chose, rather than fighting on behalf of their customers, rather than collecting Connecticut sales tax, to just turn over the data. And that's exactly what they did. So when they tell you that the law changed in some dramatic way, they are full of it. The only thing that changed was that they were going to be potentially on the hook monetarily for continuing their refusal to connect, collect Connecticut sales taxes like many of their competitors now do. And again, I just feel like they are completely misleading customers in this regard. The law did not change all that significantly. It just changed in the sense that Newegg may actually be, have to pay a fine or go to court to say that they shouldn't have to pay it at all. And I think they probably would win in court uh, if they took it that far. But they decided that you're not that important to them, so we'll just take the data and hand it over to a government agency without a court order. So that is what happened there. Another thing that occurred related to this issue uh, is something that appeared in the Hartford Current the other day uh, in that many scammers now are picking up on this. So as you're hearing about these tax things going out to customers, uh, scammers have been impersonating the Department of Revenue Services and emailing people in Connecticut telling them to pay their taxes online for these pr prior purchases. And it appears as though not everyone who bought from Newegg is getting an official letter from the state because if it was under a certain amount, uh, they're not going to go after it. So these scammers are coming in, just coming up with crazy arbitrary numbers and scaring people and probably getting a lot of money from people in the process. So the only letter that's official is one that's going to come in the mail, and you have to pay that with a check that you mail back to the Department of Revenue Services in Hartford. And if you're not sure about it, uh, call the Department of Revenue Services to make sure that you did indeed get a letter sent to you, because it looks like uh, there's some people trying to take advantage of this situation right now. And again, all of this could have been avoided if Newegg just started collecting sales taxes like, all of, like many of their competitors do or will be doing very soon. Now, I've reached out to both Newegg and the Department of Revenue Services to see what has changed, and nobody has gotten back to me just yet, but if I hear anything different, I will post an update either in the comments section or in a separate video. But uh, this, this email really says nothing to those of us who've already gotten the letter and have already paid the tax. And I don't even know what the purpose of it was because they clearly didn't make things right for a majority of their customers that were impacted by this issue. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And this question from PJ Warren is a good one because uh, he's wondering, look, if, if I really don't like doing sponsored posts, but they're adding value to the viewers and I'm properly disclosing them, what's the big deal? And I think this is kind of the conundrum that I'm in right now because I am really struggling to uh, grow the business while still valuing your time. And a great example of a channel not valuing your time was that whole vacuum cleaner debacle that we talked about a week or two ago where uh, that Dyson vacuum cleaner agency sponsored every tech channel out there and everybody did the same video pitching a vacuum cleaner to folks and some actually called it a review. And I don't want to become that. I don't think that is 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 
really respectful of your time, uh, nor I think is it good for this brand uh, to go out and start doing these generalized sales pitches. And I'm always struggling whenever we get an offer for a sponsorship here on the channel to find that perfect balance between giving the brand something that they find valuable while still valuing your time. And that has really been what the struggle has been for me. And this is partly why I keep talking about this here because I need to get that feedback loop going. Uh, what I think works really well are the Plex sponsorships for a number of reasons. One, it's a product that I use all the time. Uh, I was using it before they sponsored the channel. Another thing is that they don't really care what I do, provided I just do something about Plex. They don't even look at the video before it goes up. And I think people are getting value out of that. I think some of the other videos that we've done, like the recent ones for Kensington, uh, there's a value add in those because even though we're talking about a Kensington doc in the video, it's going to apply to other docs out there also because it is giving a briefing on the entire technology uh, beyond that individual product. In fact, I got an email the other day from somebody who was having a problem charging his laptop with his doc, a different doc, uh, but the video answered his question about the reason why his laptop wasn't charging. And that is exactly what I am shooting for with it. And it is a struggle because everything's a balance. And again, I don't really want to, I don't definitely don't want to waste your time and I don't want to hurt this brand in the process, but the business has to grow. And that's one of the things that uh, I've been struggling with here. But um, I think it's been working for what I have done. But again, I really always want to keep this discussion going because if I start veering off in a direction that I don't see myself veering off to, uh, hearing from you all is important to make sure that we don't go too far down that road. So keep me in the loop on this stuff. But I just thought uh, his question here was a good one because, uh, yeah, this is exactly what I would be comfortable with doing, just things that add value that don't detract from the brand, my brand or the advertiser's brand. But again, um, benign is where I want to keep things. So let me know what you think down in the question or the comment section below. Dave for Schnupps uh, writes in again, he's a frequent commenter about uh, my recent Minix PC review. And uh, this PC was running with an Apollo Lake chipset, which we found to be very compatible with Ubuntu Linux on a, a number of other reviews that we did. But for whatever reason, that one wouldn't boot up Linux. And he's wondering, is there a way to know upfront uh, whether or not the computer is going to be successful with alternative operating systems? And the short answer is not always. Uh, the best solution, of course, would be for the manufacturer to say, yes, we are completely compatible with Ubuntu, and if you have a problem, call us and we'll fix it. That is a very rare occurrence because uh, most of these mini PCs are geared towards consumers running Windows, and uh, they don't spend a lot of time on the Linux side of things. So uh, I would say the, the best thing you can do is to research a little bit ahead of time. Uh, you probably won't get a lot of information in the first couple of weeks. One of these computers is out and available. But after a couple of weeks, usually somebody somewhere has had success or not with that computer. And you might have a better idea as to whether or not you'll have the ability to run that alternative operating system and maybe get some help from other owners of the product who uh, were able to get it working on their end. So that's my tip for that. Unfortunately, there is no tried and true way to know. Now, this next question came in from Sean Anthony, and I actually answered this last week, but I didn't get it over to the editing bay and didn't realize it wasn't in the wrap up until it went up. So I'm doing it again, but this is actually a relevant time to answer the question because uh, I'm going to be reviewing a, another sort of high-end laptop from Lenovo this week, the X1 Carbon, uh, and I wanted to get this out ahead of that. And Sean raises a point that I think is a valid one, which is that you can get very nicely performing laptops for less money than an expensive Apple or Lenovo X1 or Dell XPS 15 that might be out there. And uh, the reason is, is that for the most part, those expensive laptops are 
built with different materials. They often have carbon fiber or some kind of crazy magnesium uh, formulation or whatever that gives them a different look and feel. They're often built a little bit better than cheaper laptops are. But if you really only care about performance, then yeah, you could spend five or 600 bucks and get pretty much the same chipset in a less attractive package that maybe doesn't get the same battery life, but will give you the same performance. And uh, the big difference with these more expensive laptops is that they're made with better materials for all of the accoutrements, the casing, the screen, the keyboards. You know, there's a, uh, something to be said about that kind of stuff for people that are in the market for fancier items. But again, if performance is your uh, only issue, then I think you could definitely do well uh, spending five or 600 bucks and get the same performance or sometimes better uh, than you might out of a $2,400 monster from one of the major brands. But again, it's all about what you need. And that's my annual reminder, which I'll be pointing people to when they complain about the X1 review when it goes up later this week. Again, I really do like to focus on the inexpensive items here on the channel. That is the primary focus here. But uh, when Lenovo or another major brand wants to let me borrow one of their nice laptops to try out, I'm always happy to do it because it is good to see that uh, this expensive stuff can work as well as the inexpensive stuff. And I know viewers get a lot out of both. But again, the focus here will always remain the cheap stuff, but we always uh, look for opportunities to review other things too. Our channel of the week this week is one that I thought I had put up in this spot here years ago, but I have not. And that is the CU podcast with Pat Country and Ian Ferguson. And I love these guys because they talk about stuff that I like, which are uh, retro video games, some of the newer Nintendo Switch stuff and whatever. And it's just a fun conversation with these two guys. Um, Pat, of course, is Pat the NES punk. Uh, Ian is a manager at a retro game store. So it's always fun to hear his perspective on the retro gaming market. It's a hobby of mine, so I like to follow along with that. And uh, they got a nice podcast here. It's fun to listen to, and I look forward to it every two weeks. You can check it out at the link down below. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things coming up. We are right at this moment struggling with this brand new Intel NUC. I just gave the box over to Corey in the back. Um, this is a new chipset from Intel. This is the Gemini Lake chipset, uh, which replaces the Apollo Lake chipset, which we were looking at in these cheap PCs last year. So you get cheap PC. In fact, this one sells for about $125, give or take, bare bones. And what we did a little earlier today is we put RAM and storage in there. We installed Windows 10, and now we can't get the graphics driver to install. And this is one of the issues you run into when you've got uh, a brand new chipset. You have to find all the drivers, and sometimes there's a little mix-up somewhere in the early days of these products. So uh, we're struggling with that, but we hope to get it resolved in time to do a review this week. I was hoping to have that review up tomorrow, but given today's experience, we might have to take another day or two on it. So just be on the lookout for that. Uh, we're also going to review that X1 Carbon from Lenovo. What a nice computer. It is a, I think a 14 inch laptop, uh, very, very lightweight. We'll be talking about that one as we get into uh, the week here. So be on the lookout for that. And a bunch of other stuff will be coming in, I am sure as well. And you never know what might cross the UPS truck this week. So I will keep you posted on that. And I uh, will always have a lot of neat stuff for you to take a look at. My Q&A for you this week is just to keep sending me ideas for inexpensive computers. I am sure there's got to be some $500 gaming laptop with a GPU that I haven't seen yet. So do let me know down in the comments below. We'll try to get one in and review it. Again, please keep me up to date on that cheap stuff because I often rely on viewers to tell me what's out there. So I greatly appreciate that. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or one-time contribution to the channel like some of those viewers did at the outset. I still support Patreon donations, but uh, DonorBox is my preferred method at the moment. 
We also have an ongoing program with Plex where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a little commission from that. If you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift a Plex Pass, we get a little bit more. So if you are looking to play around with that media serving application, take a look with those links there. We have other channels to check out. The Extras channel where I unbox stuff and do supplemental content. We have the podcast at lon.tv slash podcast. Our snippets channel is at lon.tv slash snippets, which are search-friendly nuggets of what we do here on the wrap-up and a few other reviews that I do. Uh, So you can check that out for more condensed content. And we have the live streams set up at lon.tv slash live streams. I do ask that you click on the uh, little bell icon there to get notified whenever I go live or do anything. And we also, of course, have an email list that you can subscribe to at lon.tv slash email, which I will send out important notices only on. We have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, but I am all about the Facebook group right now at lon.tv slash Facebook group. And then, of course, we have the store where I sell things that I purchase to review here on the channel. And you can often get a fairly new item for a pretty good deal. And if you want to be notified anytime I put something on that uh, store there, you can go to lon.tv slash store alert, where more than 200 of you have signed up as well. So it's good to see there's a lot of interest in getting rid of this stuff that comes through here. So I will try to get more stuff out throughout the week for you to peruse and possibly purchase. We've got a uh, Nintendo Super Game Boy up there right now, the Japanese version. So if you're looking for some rare item like that, check it out over there. Maybe it's not so rare, but it's rare to me. So in any event, that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I've been talking way too long today because I was doing another video before this. So that's going to do it for now. Uh, Please let your uh, comments and thoughts be known down below in the comment stream. And I greatly appreciate all of you for everything that you do here to help grow the channel and just keep that communication coming. This is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including gold-level supporters of the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast. Chris Allegretta and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.